Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Bar Chords, a podcast by guitar nerds. Yes, think of this as a supplementary podcast to your weekly digest of guitar nerdery over on the Guitar Nerds podcast. Of course, the difference with Bar Chords is it's just me. You've got no Mark Packham, no Matt Knight, no Jay Cross. It's just me and 30 minutes of relatively solid, although it's been pointed out to me quite meandering um, guitar nerdery. Now, of course, I mean, I guess last week I started the episode by talking about uh, the history of the Les Paul, as it was um, the YouTube video that we'd just uh, finished. This week, we've actually we've we've put out a pair of videos. We did the top five uh, weirdest guitars from the noughties, and we also did. Um, we did the top five guitars in the Dave uh, Gilmore auction, um, which was, if you're listening to this on the day it came out, then that happened yesterday. It happened on the uh, on the 20th um, of June 2019. I'm actually recording this on the 20th, um, but the auction hasn't happened yet. Um, so I don't know the the values of the things. Let's start talking about that because um, that that was that was pretty interesting. We spoke about that in length on the Patreon episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast, where we took the virtual tour, which you can take on the on the Christie's website. There's a there's a virtual tour around the complete collection of David Gilmore's guitars that he's um, that he's auctioning off to the David Gilmore Charitable Foundation for. Uh, for victims of famine, um, oh, oh, that's annoying, isn't it? I can't remember what it is. What is it? Famine, homelessness, and displacement. That's what it is, um, which is pretty cool. And of course, when we when we took a look around, we saw, you know, quite a few weird things. But in this, uh, in in the top five video, I was really trying to focus on the on the most iconic guitars because, of course, he's um, he's getting rid of his his red stratocaster for one the red strat's really interesting because it's um it's a 1984 i think that was i think that's the first time i'm pretty sure i i read something about david gilmore saying this it was the first time that fender were actually doing uh reissues it was it was the first time that they were actually you know 
trying to make things like they used to rather than just having standard line models. And so this 1984 model was a 57 um, reissue. I mean, I think the scratch plate's pretty much the only thing that stayed 57 about uh, about that guitar because Gilmore had the pickups taken out and replaced um, with a set of EMGs. It's quite interesting hearing him talk about his reason behind EMGs because it's it's so much less. And I think uh, you know around the time that he would have. Uh, Around the time that he was he was playing this guitar, I think there's been a massive progression in in sort of stadium setup and audio quality and you know buzz buzz amp buzz stage buzz wiring electrics that sort of thing. And it seemed from from what David Gilmore was saying that the most important thing for him wasn't wasn't the tone of these EMG pickups at all. It was the fact that they were noiseless. It was the fact that when he plays a big stadium, they're not they're not making loads of buzz. And he was saying throughout the 70s, he really struggled with it. So he jumped on the opportunity to retrofit his red Stratocaster with a set of EMGs. But so funny to think that this is just a, an 84 reissue of a 57 with some EMGs slapped in it. Uh, you know, it's a mixed match of sort of very 80s and very 50s. And it's, you know, it's, it's not even the real thing. And yeah, it's gonna. It's probably gonna go for over a hundred and fifty thousand US dollars. I appreciate that's because David Gilmore played it, and and very much. If if you if you think about it, just after so the the deal with the black strap, which I think is the most iconic um, David Gilmore guitar. But if you look back at uh, at David Gilmore's um, at, at what he was playing after he fit the Carla Trem. Um, onto his black strat, and if you listener, if you haven't seen the the Carla Trem on the David Gilmore black strat, it's it's hilarious. This massive, oversized, ridiculous '80s Trem. He actually he really didn't like it after he'd he'd fit that, which is why he gave it to he gave it on loan to um, the uh, Hard Rock Cafe in Dallas, which is where it was. It was displayed in he, he, in return. He took a um, a donation to a charity, which is lovely. I love David Gilmore. Every time I read something about him, there's something about a donation to charity. I was reading about, you know, the most iconic times that he played um, the Red Strat. And it was like, oh, yeah, the Red Strat's the guitar that he took um, to record. Uh, he, he recorded like a guitar solo for Paul McCartney on something, Run Devil Run. I don't know. But Mark would know. I don't really like Paul McCartney but um but yeah he you know he was he was playing a solo on some record by Paul McCartney and um he had his his fee as it were his session fee he had uh, donated to charity and I'm just like well every time I hear something about David Gilmore he's just being a lovely man and you just think how much money this um this auction's going to raise it's going to be outrageous i think the black strap might be might just become the most expensive guitar ever sold. I think that would be that would be super cool. But yeah, um, you know, that was really, really interesting. I thought, you know, I don't want to go over too much of the stuff that we talked about on the on the Patreon, but the other one that I really loved was the 1955 All Gold Les Paul. Now they made 863 All Gold Les Pauls in 1955. And most of them don't exist anymore. 
and David Gilmour not only has one, but he used it for the guitar solo on uh, Brick in the Wall Part 2. Um, you know, outrageous. What a, what a ridiculously cool collection. I love that he had, it, like, some of the guitars in the collection. The, see, the Christie's website's very good, listener. I really strongly suggest going onto the Christie's website and having a, a butchers at all the stuff on there because... One of the uh, one of the coolest things you can walk around, click on a guitar, takes you to a page of the guitar, and then you've got like a oh I can't remember what they called it now. It was like um, a, a, a an essay, yes, like a, a a lot essay. I think they called it a lot essay. But it's this wonderfully well written, incredibly detailed history of every single instrument that's on there. And you know, you think that the black strat, you open the essay, and it's. Uh, it's pages and pages, obviously. Same with the red strap, you know, the gold Les Paul. You know, there are so many that have just massive, massive essays because of how hugely important these guitars were. But loads of the guitars are things like, yeah, he bought this and kept it in his private collection. He did things like got, a, you know, a Gretsch White Penguin because they were so incredibly rare and he wanted it. But he never played it. He never used it for any Pink Floyd stuff. It was just like, yeah, kept for his private collection. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to be a guitarist of, of that sort of stature and be able to collect up some of the most amazing guitars. Oh, goodness me. I would, I, I would love to do that. But anyway, I thought, you know, I thought all in all, the the, the Gilmore um, collection was very, very impressive. I strongly suggest taking that tour. Because I don't know when that tour will come down. If the, you know, if the auctions today, I assume the Christie's are going to get rid of the virtual tour at some point. But go check it out because it is it is flipping awesome the other video that we did um this week was the weirdest guitars of the noughties and i really struggled with uh to make this video i had to get like mark on board so you know insider scoop i tend to not i don't i don't include the the other three i don't get that much uh, I don't ask them for that much help when I'm making the videos. I did ask Matt for a load of help with this Pink Floyd one, and I was so stuck um, with the Naughties one. Oh, and and also the reason the reason that I don't get them involved is not um, not for any other reason that I know would just argue over what the top five are, and uh, I have very little time to get this like filmed, uh, well written, filmed, edited, uploaded. You know, it's uh, so I, I don't want to mess around. So sometimes my choices, I'm sure, will be controversial and sometimes they will just be plain wrong. But I don't really mind that at all. But anyway, um, I had to get Mark Packham on board for this, for the Naughties video, because I was like, every guitar from the Naughties is boring. The only thing I could find that was interesting was um, Papa Roach's bass player. He had a custom-built Fender six-string bass called the Ore um, because it sort of looked a bit like an Ore. It was the most non-Fender Fender bass you've ever seen. There was nothing about it that was Fender. It looked like a melted Ibanez. Um, it was such a weird bass, but... We have a rule that we we don't want to repeat guitars in our videos. And Mark had already spoken about the awe in weirdest signature guitars of all time. So I couldn't reuse that. And I was like, oh, there's nothing else that's interesting. And so, I, you know, I looked around and I was like, well, Fender did the flat top in the noughties. Remember the flat top? It was just like a, 
it was just a a, a plain uh, sort of telly with a pair of humbuckers. I was like, oh, that's pretty boring. They did the um, they did the Scorpion and the Celtic Esquire, um, which were black single humbucker um, Esquires with. I think they just had a volume control, you know, but they had on the 12th fret, they had a scorpion. Well, the scorpion one had a scorpion, obviously the Celtic one had something Celtic on the 12th fret. And I just, I was like, oh, well, that's a bit weird. Um, But not like, not in a cool way. It wasn't something that I actually wanted to include in a video. You know, the previous years, you look back at the 90s and I had like, um, the that that bender what do they call it this this the stratocaster the meltocaster this no i can't remember oh that's annoying but anyway you know there were there were really weird interesting cool guitars and in the noughties i was just like i can't find anything it was like and that's what i kind of mentioned in the video i was like great in the noughties you know what happened in the uk we got post Britpop which for all intents and purposes was absolute tosh. It was, it, it was, it was awful. You know, people like Snow Patrol were charting. People were listening to that. People were purchasing that music. And then in the States, you had new metal, which I'm sure there will be listeners out there that will disagree, but I thought was probably the worst thing ever to happen to music ever. Um, and yeah, at the start of the video, I cited like a hand for the bands and oh, there's not a comment. There's not a comment on, on the video about the guitars I spoke about. It's just Incubus fans getting upset. <laughs> and a few Keen fans as well, because I mentioned Keen as well. But nonetheless, it was a really boring time. So I really struggled. So I had to get Mark Packham on board and he discovered a handful of things that were that were really cool. He he told me all about Switch Vibracell. Do you know about Switch Vibracell guitars? The, uh, so Vibracell was the uh, the sort of epoxy resin that they decided to make the entire guitars out of. I know that's not new. You know, Parker Fly have done that. I've done a video on guitars not made of wood, but... Um, Still, you know, they, they were they were these weird resin-based guitars that sort of had, I don't know, like angles and shapes. They did a Telecaster, but it looked like a Telecaster that had eaten too much and was all bubbly, like a bubble Telecaster. It was it was weird and and not very nice. And then they they were fitted with like Roland uh, the the GK pickup as well to make them MIDI compatible, which was completely useless but there you go the noughties I, I didn't think so much a weird uh decade is just a, a completely rubbish one so this week on the uh main episode of the podcast we mentioned that we got hold of a yamaha trans acoustic we got hold of their new little parlor sized guitar which comes fitted with has has like a built-in mechanical reverb and chorus um which is, you know, which is pretty unusual. So um, I thought uh, for, um, what do we call this? What's this podcast called? Bar, bar chords. For bar chords, uh, we would uh, we'd listen to some sound samples. So 
so I've recorded the guitar clean, I've recorded it with the chorus, I've recorded it with the reverb. For the sake of this, uh, I've just maxed out the chorus and the reverb. It's worth noting that there are two types of reverb. There's hall and room. Uh, I've just used hall on full because I'm trying to show you how far it will go. Obviously, you can use subtle nuances of this. Also, um, dear listener, there is the small problem of... I. Useless with a plectrum, so um, so I'm afraid I can only play finger style. And I I I mentioned it on the main podcast, but I thought just the uh, uh, not having that sort of trebly attack that you get with a plectrum kind of affected how much that the effect actually came through. But I thought on recording, um, it did uh, pretty well. Um, of course, you can record direct in. Uh, with these, which I, I'm doing, just going into a simple Scarlet Solo interface and then um, treating it with some isotope software and uh, must, uh, mastering it just with some simple Red 2 uh, compression. But it's it's pretty... I haven't done very much with it. So anyway, here is uh, here's the clean guitar. Forgive the slightly over aggressive playing there. I think I was, uh, you know, I was, I was <laughs> I'm just a bass player at heart, I guess. Um, here is the uh, reverb on uh, on full. Now, I think that sounds fantastic. I was really into it. And I I like the idea of being able to bring an instrument with that sort of thing to an open mic. Yes, I appreciate that, you know, most desks are going to have some reverb. But I like the fact that I can control it at the source. Um, Yeah, I I, I think it sounds really good. I think if you were taking this to an open mic night and other people were popping up there with normal acoustics, then you came up there with this, added that little twinkle on there. You're going to sound a billion times more professional. Um, than than they are. I I was really into it. Anyway, here's the chorus. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm. 
And again, I think you have to... <laughs> You have to consider that I've maxed the chorus out. You can definitely be more subtle than that. That that was a little bit sort of uh, Metallica go acoustic, but um, yeah, I think uh, I I can't believe it's mechanical. Um, I think it's a really cool product. I definitely think it's you know it's not just it's not just a gimmick. I really like the fact that there's a parlor sized instrument now. Um, it's really cool and you know for for whatever it was like 700 and something euros i think comes with a lovely soft case i think it's a cool product i'm quite into it um they've said i can keep it for a month so um yeah i'm gonna be i'm I'm gonna find some brighton open mic nights um i might even let you know on the podcast so if you're in brighton you can come down and hear me butcher um the guitar I'm, i i wouldn't sing whilst play i, I have my my uh, girlfriend is a a bajillion times more talented uh, than me on guitar keyboards and and singing so um so she will she will provide the the vocal assist um i'll, I'll just do the playing you know which is also embarrassing because she's a better guitar player than me so you know i'm playing at the back and she'll just be like what are you doing you know yeah but yeah But uh, uh, what did you think? What do you think of the Yamaha Trans Acoustic? Let me know. Um, Join the Facebook. Join the discussion on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds Forum. It is the place to be for for guitar discussion. Um, And, and, you know, I would like to make barcodes a little bit more interactive maybe than Guitar Nerds is as, you know, there's always the four of us having a chat about stuff. We're very insular, very self uh, consumed. Uh, this doesn't have to be that. So, you know, I'm, I'm also always looking for improvements and suggestions. So if you have any of those, let me know. Um, but tell me what, what you think of the transacoustic. What did you think of those sound samples? What do you think of the idea of me doing sound samples on this podcast? Was that annoying? Or do you want me to do more of them? Because, you know, we get sent stuff every single week and we just talk about them. I'd be more than happy uh, to do well, I mean, I say I'll be more. It is actually what I'm planning to do. I'm hoping that you know that you're just gonna come on the Facebook forum and and tell me this is a good idea because otherwise I've got to think of something else to do on this podcast. I quite enjoyed that. I thought it was fun. Anyway, um, you know, the, I think uh, last week on uh, on bar chords, uh, we had a bit of a butcher's. We started. Uh, talking about guitars that I wanted to buy and I thought well before I talk about guitars I want to buy I'll take you through the guitars that I have in the room I managed to talk about just one I talked about um, my American original 60s Stratocaster which is very lovely so I thought maybe I should continue round uh, round the room today and talk about the next thing now the next thing um, is the most expensive um, most wonderful guitar that I have that I have ever owned and ever 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 purchased. I'm very glad that I spent the substantial sum of money that I did on this. It is, of course, my Gibson ES one seven five. Now I I uh, I appreciate that Gibson are pretty topical at the moment. Once again, it seems like there there is no end to Gibson managing to say stuff that will make them unpopular with people but then i think they're the brand that people love to hate and also i mean this es175 is absolutely fantastic so it's um 
it's it's a flame top, which is unusual for me. That's an unusual thing for me to to choose. A lovely sunburst, flame flamed top sunburst, um, and it's um, uh, what what do they call it? Gibson call it vintage old stock. So uh, you've got a pair of like tarnished nickel humbuckers. And those gorgeous sort of white button tuners and the the trapezoid inlays with the um, that are split into two down the middle. I just think everything about this sort of guitar is fantastic. It comes in that lovely um, brown uh, uh, leather hard case with a pink interior. Not not very uh, vegan of me, of course, to, to to buy that. And and <laughs> also that they're you know hide glue for the uh, for the neck joint, which is probably the most unnecessary thing of all time but um yeah the es175 an absolutely fantastic instrument i actually have it tuned in um d standard and i've just changed to using these newtone string arch top um double wound 11 to 50s um which are fantastic for me being because I'm, I'm either d standard or sometimes i drop it down to c i know it's it's Silly, silly for me to have a jazz box and, and have that sort of tuning, but it's good. I know I've spoken about Newtone strings a ton. Um, they did, they did in fact, sponsor one of our videos recently. And I noticed on our Facebook group, um, uh, they've they've put, out, put a post up for their new customization page on their website, which is pretty brilliant. Like, yes, I, I'm, I appreciate that they've sponsored the podcast, but... Man, that's so cool being able to actually customize it to, to choose your string gauge from from scratch, from not just size but materials, cores, everything. Um, really awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna tap them up and get them to make me some half half rounds. I was I was using some sort of half half round uh, bass strings recently, somewhere between a flat wound and a round wound, and I was like, man, I wonder what these would be like on on an electric i bet they'd be really cool and dead sounding because i really like when strings are worn in a bit it really takes me a little while to to kind of get into the tone of strings i don't like too much top um so so yeah um new tone strings really cool es175 is definitely worth a look an unusual choice of a guitar because i think um a lot of people would overlook them in, unless you're like a uh unless you're a a traditional sort of jazz player you wouldn't maybe go for something big box i mean certainly they can be a problem if you run too much drive through them you know, that that can be an issue um i really got into them i went to see this band called augustines um who used to be called we are augustines now they're just augustines but they um the, the front guy is the coolest dressed man i've ever seen he's always in like um he's like a a, a sort of lazy suit and a and a cowboy hat but in a tasteful way that that makes him sound like you know he comes out dressed like wire up he just is like a cool guy and a cool hat and he has an he, he plays a number of guitars but i went to see him once and he had an es175 strung slung pretty high as i guess you have to with es175s and it's just he plays just really driving chords backing up everything just always just you know hammering away with his right hands are just just you know simple chords underneath everything but i was like man that looks fantastic and that sounds great and no one plays them and i kind of i like playing a guitar that you don't see around anymore 
Um, you just got to be a little careful driving them, um, which is interesting. But I guess that's the case with all hollow bodies. I went, um, I went the other day. There's a, 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 a local, a local Brighton, Brighton UK band called Quiet Lions, who um, are quite. Uh, I quite like. I used to work with the uh, the singer and lead guitarist, and they're a fantastic band. They had their album launch last week, so I went along um, to the Prince Albert, which is a very prestigious little li- little venue in Brighton. Very lovely, a proper little sweat box. It has um, murals of all the famous musicians who have died on the um, on the side of the building, and it's where. Uh, John Peel used to run a night there back in the day. Um, but yeah, I went along there and there the first support band uh, were a band called In Technicolor. And I know those guys as well, but they've had a bit of a lineup change. And their new guitarist was playing a baritone Hagstrom Viking. Now the, the Hagstrom in Silverburst. Oh, Oh, I loved it. It was great. But the uh, the Hagstrom Viking. Oh, listen, I tell you what, you've got to get into Hagstrom. Hagstrom are a brand to absolutely uh, get behind. I was very, very into um, everything in their catalogue. Their headstocks are weird and ornate. Um, and, you know, their hollow bodies look cool. There's just something slightly more angular about them than there is about a Gibson hollow body. And, you know, they're kind of just above an Epiphone price point for something that is a ton um a ton better quality so it was really cool and yeah baritone uh 335 but i was um talking to him afterwards and and uh, he was saying he was like yeah you know because they're quite heavy quite sludgy band and he was saying yeah i've got it driving pretty much as much as it will before i start to get serious feedback which is and i was like oh that really is the problem um with <laughs> with hollow bodies because they look so cool i want to play them for like big heavy music but no it, it would be um it wouldn't work now this section of the podcast is kind of my helix diaries um a bit because i've been spending a lot of time with my line six helix and I, I really like it i think it's a fantastic product last week i spoke about how i was doing this whole uh sort of a parallel um amp thing <laughs> parallel preamps anyway um ben adrian one of the one of the masterminds behind the line six helix and the creator of the cartographer amplifier which is you know one of the most popular amps on the line six helix um, he piped in because he listens to the podcast, which is blooming lovely. And he's a lovely man. And uh, yeah, he, he uh, piped in to just uh, <laughs> to, to give me some advice and to, to you know, to correct me on a couple of things I was doing, which is really good. I, I really feel like there is so much to a Helix and I am so ill suited to things that require time to work out. But... Um, I, I think I can't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast. I think I might have done, but I was like, oh, I use the preamps because the preamp models. So the Helix is loaded up with preamps as well as amp sims. Um, the difference obviously being that an amp sim includes the simulation of the power amp. And when, you know, so you've got those big power amp valve simulations in some of the amps, um, the preamps obviously don't now i was finding that when i was using the amp sims um everything was coming in quite hot like really hot like i was 
I was being like, yeah, let's listen to, uh, you know, the their sort of copy of a Fender Champ. And it's like really driven. I'm like, Fender Champs don't sound like that. So uh, and I started using preamps and I was like, oh, that's loads better. It's much less hot. All of the everything's loads less hot. This is fine. I'll just use these. And Ben Adrian uh, pointed out that you that, that, you know, I probably and I did have the uh, the quarter inch out on the helix set to line instead of instrument because of course people were using the helix to plug it straight into a it's to a you know a pa system whereas i'm i'm going into an amp so um so yes he pointed that out to me <laughs> now everything's great now everything sounds so much better so yeah i have no doubt that everyone listening who owns a helix uh, already knew that but i didn't now, I really want to talk about, I've made an awesome board on the Helix um, the, uh, using their snapshot mode, which allows me to allocate a handful of switches to the three note generator. Um, so I've got the keys um, of songs that I'm normally in on a drone note that I can run and it's sending out to the XLRs so I can send those out to the front of house while still keeping um, another area uh, another part of the board that's just running into pedals and it's much more straightforward so my sound is preserved but I essentially get to play um, a synthesizer with my feet which is very cool but I mean I guess I pretty much talked about that but I was going to say I don't especially have time so we'll talk about that next week on uh, next week's episode of Bar Chords. I hope you've enjoyed this week's foray into guitar nerdery. I hope it was maybe slightly less meandering, but let me know. What did you like? What didn't you like? Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, Twitter, Instagram, at guitar nerds, you know all the places. Well, if you don't, check them out, but, you know, mostly join the discussion on Facebook. And uh, we'll be back next week for another dose of uh, Bar Chords Nerdery. Farewell. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.